Praise the Lord, everyone. Fourteen years ago, as a struggling evangelist, literally, I uh, was in desperate search of revivals. And so I traveled to my old district in Ohio to attend the conference. The night that I was there, Brother Anthony was the speaker. He preached a great message on the Ark of the Covenant and how we ought to carry the presence of God in our lives. And there was a sovereign move of God in that house that night. The reason I know it is because in one hour after the service, the struggling evangelist booked three solid months of revivals. That's almost like eternal security to an evangelist. The next morning, it fell my lot to take Brother Anthony to the airport. He was so kind to take a personal interest in our ministry and what we were trying to do for God. And he casually mentioned that someday he would like for me to come and preach in Alexandria. Well, here I am. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's been said that if you want to know the temperature of a congregation, stick a thermometer in the mouth of the pastor. And I would add, if you want to know the temperature of a revival meeting, stick a thermometer in the hotel room of the evangelist. If the leader doesn't have a vision, a passion, and a strong touch of God on his life, then the thing that he is leading will not get to take a trip. I heard the story of a middle-aged couple that were awakened in the middle of the night suddenly by a fire. They jumped out of bed. The husband grabbed his wife by the elbow and began to hustle her out the front door and look back to see if she was all right. And to his amazement, she was smiling. He said, how could you be smiling in a moment like this? She said, well, baby, this is the first night you've taken me out in years. And the people that we are leading want to take a trip once in a while. They want to go somewhere. They want to take a spiritual journey. And you and I as pastors, evangelists, associates, missionaries are the only ones that can take them there. God needs leaders who are big enough to attract and facilitate the revival that he has in mind for these last days. God needs a leader that is big enough to administrate the massive end-time outpouring of his spirit, much like he needed a leader that was big enough to administrate the massive deliverance that he had in mind for his people in Egypt. But God needed to grow his man Moses into the size of a leader that could transition that enormous revival and disciple it into a powerful church. Moses wasn't quite big enough for the job when God first called him. So before he could say to Pharaoh, let my people go, God had to first say to Moses, let my preacher grow. There were some obvious areas where Moses needed to grow. Moses needed to grow in the area of ruling his own spirit. 
and not just go around slapping and manipulating the thing that God simply said to speak to. He needed to exercise more diplomacy in dealing with his agitators instead of just killing them and burying them. He needed to grow in the area of leading with integrity and require of his own family what he was requiring of the family of God. He needed to grow in his concept of meeting the needs of people. And instead of trying to do all of the ministry himself, he needed to equip and empower and release faithful people to help him to do the work of the ministry. God knows that if his leader will grow, then it is a given that his people will go. Job chapter 8 verse 7 says, Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end shall greatly increase. And in the spirit and theme of this great conference, Finishing Strong, I would entitle my contribution, Let My Preacher Grow. There is a called preacher inside of you that God desperately desires to grow. God understands that before his preacher can take the journey without that he must subject him to the process, the pain, and the discipline of taking him on the journey within. There's a reason why Samuel was given a new coat every year in the temple as he ministered unto the Lord. And the reason was simple in that every year he was growing and he outgrew the coat of the previous year. And so he was given a new coat every year. Somebody said, well, I wish God would bless me with a new coat. You know, I come to because of the times for a new coat of anointing and a new coat of authority and a, and a new coat of the power and the presence of God in my life. But the question is, why would God want to give somebody a new coat that hasn't outgrown the one that he gave them last year? And God is saying to a preacher in this house today, let my preacher grow. I know very clearly what my assignment is here this morning. For three days after Brother Anthony invited me to participate in this great conference, the Lord spoke to my heart and he let me know that there would be many preachers coming to this conference whose spirits have been deflated and their vision has wilted and their calling has been questioned and their anointing has been intimidated. The Barna Research Group recently reported that only 11% of all pastors feel that they are gifted in their area of ministry. But I don't think that really is what's going on here because why would God call anyone to do anything and not gift them to perform the ministry? I believe what the research actually reveals is a demonic spirit of terrorism that is trying to intimidate our preachers and shrink them down into a fearful grasshopper complex mentality. I'm here to look some preacher in the eye today and tell you there's a bigger preacher inside of you than what the world wants to believe. There's a bigger preacher inside of you than what the devil wants you to believe. And God has sent a little preacher with a big spirit inside called the Holy Ghost to tell you that he wants you to grow in this conference. I'm not preaching to the preacher that we see on the outside. I'm not preaching 
to the preacher that told everybody last night and this morning that he's doing just great. I'm not preaching to the preacher on the outside who has no hang-ups and no let-downs and no strikeouts and no errors and never gets his uniform dirty and always leading on the scoreboard of public perception. But I'm preaching to the preacher inside of you. I'm preaching to the preacher that's covered up, the one that's been hurt, the one who's got shame. I'm preaching to the preacher that's been intimidated and maligned and attacked and is wounded and bleeding and dying on the roadside. I'm talking to the preacher inside of you that long before you became what you are today, before you became cynical and skeptical and paranoid, I'm talking to that pure and innocent preacher inside that God called before he became so political and so polished. I'm talking about the preacher that's been covered up and layered over and laminated with lament and hurt and disappointment. God is reaching down into the inside of somebody here today. It's time for you to come out. It's time for the preacher in you to come out. God said, let my preacher grow. There's a bigger preacher inside you that this movement needs to see. There is a bigger preacher, those of you who feel that you are laboring in anonymity. There is a bigger preacher inside of you that this world needs to hear. I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for somebody to walk into your life and give you permission to realize your dreams. Maybe you're waiting for someone to walk into your life and say, it's okay to be all that God wants it to be. Don't let the devil intimidate your spirit. Don't let any other preacher intimidate your spirit. God is saying to some young preacher here today, let my preacher grow. Let him out. We need you. We need you to recognize and identify the vision and the gifts that you've got. We need the rising tide of your anointing to help us lift all the boats in this final wave of end time revival. There are preachers of all sizes here today. A friend of mine lost over 100 pounds he said he went from a size 50 suit coat to a 38. And he said his wife has been married to every size preacher there is. But the size of a preacher cannot be measured by his suit coat, his house, his car, his bank account. The size of a preacher can only be measured by the vision and the pulse that beats inside. You've heard it said it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but it's the size of the fight and the dog. What I'm saying to you today is it's not the size of the preacher in the congregation, but it's the size of the congregation in the preacher. It's not the size of the evangelist in the revival, but it's the size of the revival in the evangelist. It's not the size of the missionary in the work, but it's the size of the work in the missionary. I'm saying to you, let the preacher out. Let the preacher out. Find out what God has birthed on the inside and let him grow.
people are attracted to a leader with a vision. A leader and a preacher with a vision is contagious. Like the Apostle Paul, who when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, my heart has become enlarged. Then he said, now your heart is going to become enlarged. An expanding vision is a contagion, but a shrinking vision will quarantine your ministry. Proverbs 29, 18 explains the phenomenon of a shrinking ministry when it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And someone added that without a vision, the people will go to another parish. God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah, to his people, and God said, call on me and I will show you great and mighty things. Someone said, how do I know if my vision's from God? It's very simple. If it's not great and mighty, then it's not God. But if it's bigger than you are, if you feel like you're way over your head, if you feel like there is no way that you're ever going to get it done, then I would say it is the great and mighty vision of God, and God is growing you into the preacher to fulfill the vision. More than one young man has left Bible college or his home church with a big dream and a marvelous vision of what he's going to do for God only to matriculate in the school of hard knocks and to have those dreams whittled down and worn away by the confusion, the chaos, and the calamity of life. In the tribe of Dan, I see something of a young up-and-coming preacher with a big vision for God. Joshua 1947 the borders of the children of Dan were too little for them therefore the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and possessed it and dwelled therein and called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan their father when the tribe of Dan began the conquest of taking the possession of their inheritance their vision of expansion was extraordinary their designated inheritance was too small for them to accomplish their goals their borders were not compatible with their vision. And by comparison, Dan's borders were much smaller than what was allotted to the other tribes of Israel. The solution to their problem was not to cut the vision back to fit their situation, but they chose instead to go out and take new territory and expand their borders for God. And as they began conquering new territory to accommodate their vision, there was no enemy too great, no land too large, no mountain too high for them to defeat it, to take it, or to climb it. And maybe there's someone here today who believes that your vision is bigger than your inheritance. Well, your answer may or, not, may or may not be to go to a bigger church or a bigger city. Sometimes our ego tells us that if we had this church or if we lived in that town, we could really be something. And then after we listen to our ego for a while, our pride chimes in and says, you know, you missed the will of God and you shouldn't have taken this church so far beneath your ability. You shouldn't be preaching for such small churches. It's time for you to start preaching for the big time. 
Sometimes our pride chimes in and says, you know, I believe that that other brother missed the will of God when, when he was voted in and, and he should have stepped out of the way and, and let you take that larger church because it's more worthy of your gifts and calling. I told you I'm talking to the preacher inside. But the reality is that it may be time to stop looking at the greener pastors on the other side of the district fence it may be time to change our attitude right where we are and make a commitment right here and right now and begin to work with God and grow our situation to match our anointing and to let the thing that God is doing, amen, begin to mushroom and grow in our spirit. I decided a long time ago that if I can't be anything where I am, I'm probably not going to be much of anything else where I'm going. And so I decided that I want to bloom wherever God plants me. The tribe of Dan could have developed a severe inferiority complex. All the other tribes received larger inheritances. Not only that, but their mother was not a free woman. She was a concubine. Their parents weren't even married. It just wasn't a level playing field. But I want to encourage a young preacher from the tribe of Dan who feels like your inheritance by comparison is small and you weren't given much to work with and not much of a name and not much of a family reputation and kind of a nobody from nowhere struggling along with a lot less resources than everybody else. Can I encourage your heart today and tell you it's time for you to blow out the candles and turn out the lights on your own pity party attended by one. There is room in this promised land of revival for one more great preacher there is room for one more great congregation there is room for one more sovereign move of God and it might as well be upon you we thank God for our great families and our Pentecostal heritage for many years we have honored and revered and respected the family names of Urshan and Kilgore and Gidros and Becton and our own dear Mangans here and countless other prolific ministries that we could mention. But look what God has done in the last several years just in our movement alone. Just a few years ago, we never heard of keys. We thought keys was something that Jesus gave to Simon Peter. One generation ago, we thought Libby on the label meant you'd like it on your table. And that Mooney was a cult from Korea. And that Arnold was... Just a slob doing his job. But look what God has done. Look what God is doing. There's always going to be room for another revival. There's always going to be room for another vision. God is raising up a mighty army of preachers in this end time. And it's time to let the preacher inside grow. See, God wants preachers to grow, and unfortunately, 
A part of that growth process includes pain. You know, my motto's kind of always been, no pain? Hey, no pain. Take it home. But a preacher is no good to God until he hurts. You don't have to be preaching very long to know something about pain. Pain is trying to have a revival in a small family owned and operated congregation. Pain is asking if you can have a pastor's office somewhere in the church. And being accused of wanting a high back leather chair and a big desk so you can impress your friends. Pain is teaching home Bible studies and baptizing 16 in your first three months in a church where there had been no baptism in two years and having no one to celebrate with. Pain is having one of your church elders look you in the eye and in their best condescending tone articulate his doubts about your calling. Pain is rushing to the hospital to pray for one of your saints who was having bypass surgery and didn't want you to know that he was there being met at the front door by one of his grown ch children and going to the emergency door and being met by that one and being told that you were the cause for the heart disease. Pain is having a meeting called by your church board to interrogate your motives and having to sit there and listen to half-backslid accusers scrape a little pile of sour grapes together in hopes of leading a revolt to remove you from your pastorate. Pain is having seasoned saints hold back their tithe in a demonstration of their disapproval, taking a 3 a.m. paper route just to make ends meet with $60,000 sitting in the church bank account. Pain is being a 26-year-old pastor and it being advised by your superintendent and your presbyter to terminate your church board when they're all old enough to be your dad or your grandfather. Pain is having a hostile grace builder in your life and they know it. Like the guy who walked up to his pastor and said, Pastor, I don't know what God's trying to do in your life, but I'm sure glad he's using me to accomplish it. Pain is having your confidence shrunk and your salary shrunk and your oversight shrunk. It's amazing how some people can call you pastor and say they trust you with their eternal soul, but they don't want you to spend a hundred bucks without getting approved by three committees, two boards, the ladies' auxiliary, and the Boy Scout troop. And the devil would like to intimidate and shrink every preacher inside. And he will use carnal church leaders and what one author called well-intentioned dragons as willing accomplices to intimidate your spirit and crush your will and bring you into compliance with their complacency. 
I'm speaking to walking wounded in this house today. I've come here. I've been commissioned by God. I'm not going to be bashful about it. God has told me to speak his words of life into your spirit. There is a God that believes in you. He found you and he called you. And he's using the pain and the suffering of confrontation to produce a great vision inside of you. They might have meant it unto you for evil, but God meant it unto you for good. So let his preacher grow. I realize that there's a humility and a sense of unworthiness that must accompany all called preachers. Jesus said that we are to call ourselves unprofitable servants And yet there must come a time when we come of age and we grow up into our coat of anointing. As Jesus came of age and had his beginning of miracles, you and I must also have a point of beginning where we have our own miracles and a moment when we recognize our anointing and we identify our purpose and we begin to walk confidently before our God. If you'll notice in the scripture at some point in the life of our ancient heroes, they received what I would call a self-revelation. But also notice that that self-revelation was always and without exception preceded by a God revelation. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the first words out of his mouth after he had that God revelation was, woe is me. Jesus confronted the disciples, but who do you say that I am? At that moment, Simon had a God revelation. Lord, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then the God revelation was immediately followed with the self-revelation when he said, And thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. I give them to you, Peter. You see, Jesus was giving Peter a picture of his great and dynamic ministry. He was going to go through a whole lot, but Jesus said, you're going to come out, boy. Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. I'm preaching to some preacher here today. God sent you to because of the times, because it's time for you to come out. You see, God is anxious for us to know who we are and what we are made of. Somebody said, well, I don't like the fire. I don't like the fire. Nobody likes the fire. And sometimes we operate under the false assumption that fire makes us what we are. And that's not really true because Paul said the fire reveals, not makes reveals whether we're built on gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. The scripture says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. And it's necessary, and you know that it's necessary for God called people to do wilderness time. 
The Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness, but he did not send him into that isolation without a prophetic word. Jesus, the man, received an emphatic word of revelation as he went into the wilderness. And that word was, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And God will send us into wilderness time. God sends people that he wants to use mightily into the wilderness so that they can find out who he is and so that they can find out who they are. You see, it's not enough for, for God to know who you are. You've got to find out what God thinks about you. You've got to find out how much God has entrusted you with. And you can mark it down if God sends you out with a you are my beloved son word. There's going to be a devil out there to confront you and to question and say, if you are Sometimes the devil gets our heads twisted around with self-doubt and confusion about our identity and we start looking for ourselves in all the wrong places. More than one preacher has gotten lost in the wilderness and we tend to get lost when we listen to the wrong voices. We get lost when we become isolated and we think nobody loves us and nobody called us and we start looking for love and acceptance in all the wrong places. But the reason that Jesus wasn't deceived in the wilderness was because he looked for himself in the right place the first thing he did when he came out of the wilderness is he went straight to church and brother Anthony said last night he opened the book and when he opened the book he found himself where you need to find yourself today he found himself in the house of God and he found himself while he was reading the Word of God he opened the book and read the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus was saying, I'm coming out of my wilderness in the power of the Spirit. I'm coming out of my wilderness knowing exactly who I am. I didn't get lost. I didn't lose my bearings. I didn't join up with the wrong crowd. I wasn't deceived by an angel of light. I didn't get a revelation of delusion. I was not seduced by the tempter. I'm coming out in the power of the Spirit. I'm coming out stronger than what I was when I went in. I know what my purpose is. It's worth noting that before his wilderness experience, before he was tempted, before he was tested, Jesus never identified himself as I am. A preacher doesn't know who he is or what he's living for or what he would die for until you go through some stuff but when Jesus came out of that wilderness he came out saying I am I am he came out with an I am spirit he came out saying I am with you always.
I am come in my father's name. He came out saying, I am the light of the world. I am from above. I am not of this world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the door of the sheep. I am come that they might have life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the true vine. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive. Oh, I wish somebody would get an I am spirit on you. It's time for you to have your God revelation. It's time for God to meet you on the road to Damascus. Just remain standing. God can say, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. I've been coming to this conference for 14 or 15 years, and every time I come down here, God tells me, you are, you are, you are, you are. But there's got to come a time when I can accept that, when I can embrace the anointing, when I can embrace my vision, and I start agreeing with God and say, God, I receive that. I am. Somebody needs to get that I am spirit like the Apostle Paul. And you can say with him, I am a called preacher. I don't care what he said when he pointed his finger in my chest. I am a called preacher. I am a chosen vessel. I am anointed. I am bold. I am crucified with Christ. I am made a minister. I am ordained a preacher. I am set for the defense of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am made all things to all men. I am persuaded that nothing shall be. Oh, I wish somebody would get an I am spirit. Come on, preacher inside. I'm preaching to the preacher inside. You're looking at a resurrected preacher, and the spirit of resurrection is in this house today. I want you to take somebody by the hand, lift it up in the air, and let's let God give us a God revelation of himself. Say, God, speak to me about who I am. Speak to me about who you are in this conference. Let me get it right now, this first morning of Because of the Times. Let me get it right now. I want to grow, oh God. 